We recording KP. We are on, guys. Welcome to Project Mindset, episode 10. Thank you so much for tuning in to the most uplifting podcast on the planet. I am your host, Kevin Sturdivant, aka Coach Kevion. Thank you so much for being here. We simply look for opportunities to share stories, share insights, share our friends that we come across. And this is, an, this is a part of something new that we're doing. We're going to be releasing a podcast every Thursday, and it's called Think Big Thursday. So what better to do than have somebody that is six foot ten, tall in height, tall in mind, tall in abilities, my dude, tall Travis. Travis Camby. This is somebody I met a couple years ago. I started following him on social media. He was an agent back then. He's an even greater agent now. Dude is just straight dominating the Hollywood Hills. And we met at a time where we actually closed the doors to Case as far as bringing new talent in. Our company in 2016 grew from like 10 people to 65 people which is crazy to happen in a one-year time. And going into 2017, we said, man, we are, we are done. We actually need to, to, to shrink our team in half. We went from 65 people to 30 in about a two-month period, and we stopped bringing new people in because we needed to just take some time to develop our foundation. And within the Case Real Estate Foundation, there's really five pillars. It's vision, structure, skills, accountability, and influence, that's what we represent. And so we took some time to just fine tune those principles. And man, when we least expected it, we saw these two individuals, Travis Camby and his fiance, Judith Loving Foss, and they were just killing the game, their energy, their vibe. I met with them and we had to have them on the team. And the last year and a half, I have seen this dude grind more work harder, wake up earlier, run faster than almost anybody I've ever seen. And the breakthrough really was that in the first year of working with us, he actually didn't produce at a crazy level, but something happened the last 90 days. And today uh, we're gonna have an opportunity to really take a look at the dude's whole story. So without further ado, let's take some time. And remember, make sure to share this, give us your thoughts and insights. I'd like you to meet my good friend, Travis Camby. Is it time, man? It's time. This has been a long time coming. So to give everybody a little bit of background, uh, also, this is a bit of an introduction for a, a new podcast that we are starting called World's Greatest Agent. What? I, I am your host, Coach Kev, a.k.a. Kevion, Kevin Sturdivant. And today we have a very legendary guest. Uh, about a year ago, we stopped, no, about a year and a half ago, we stopped bringing on people to our real estate team. We closed the doors and uh, it got too big. Case had 65 agents and we went from 65 to 30 in about a 45 day period in the middle um, of 2017, no, beginning of 2017. And in that mode, when we said we're not bringing on anybody, somebody caught my attention, uh, two people. It was kind of a, a husband and wife couple who were just having me cracking up by their energy, their hustle, their authenticity. And their names were Travis <sighs> Camby and Judith Lovingfoss. And today... We got the man, the myth here himself. Episode 10. What up, Trav? What's going on? I, got, I get 10? You're episode 10, dude. It's kind of special. So tell us about yourself, man. Who are you? Who so the it all hell is tall Travis? It all started one night in Atlanta. East winds were three miles an hour. Um, so tall Trav. Tall Travis is, uh, I mean, what do I start? Do I like give you a life history here? What do I? Well, let's start off with what are you doing now? What do you do these days? What's your role? Who are you? So I think that's a great question because it's been developing over time. Yeah. Uh, I was someone totally different a year ago than I am today. I was totally different f four months ago than I am today. But I think that um, 
who I am today, I'm more connected, I'm more visual with what exactly I want in life. I think in the past I was real scattered brain. I was kind of thought like the old analogy of like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yeah. But now I feel like the vision is clear. The vision yeah. is here. Like it's, 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 I know what I want. Um, I feel like I'm more connected with God. Um, and um, just determined, I think, really just to get out of the slump that I put myself in. Well, I think what's really awesome, too, is that when I first met you, I was like, oh, damn, this dude is an absolute weapon in the real estate game. Yeah. And I saw that based on the energy that you were putting out there. And I'm like, I got to get this dude on the team. Yeah. And although you did have a good 2016, what I didn't know was that when we actually met, you were in a bit of a uh, you're in a little bit of a breakdown mode. Yeah, big time breakdown right? mode, yeah. And I think what's interesting for people to recognize is that, man, there's a lot of power in that saying, act as if, yeah. right? You, I didn't recognize that at all. I didn't know that you were in breakdown mode. I'm like, this dude is like on his way to being the most legendary agent, period. Yes. So much so that I said, you know what? I know we said we're not going to bring anybody on case, but I got to talk to this dude. Right. Yeah, so. Glad you did that. And let's go back a little bit before, so because you're 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 you are a top producing agent now, yeah. right? Like you are crushing it in Hollywood Hills. You're making noise. You're part of the Case LA squad. Before that, you had a career in hip hop. Before that, you were you, you had a career in 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 basketball. Right. So we'll get to all of those stories. Let's start from the very beginning, man. Where did you grow up? So cool. All right. Um, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. So put my roots there. Um, that's kind of where it all started. And when I was in Atlanta, I was in kind of like the, the public domain. So it was a public school, lots of community, lots of diversity. Yeah. That's kind of where the grind came of learning how to adapt and get along with everybody, right? It's like a melting pot in Atlanta. Um, from Atlanta, it's just kind of a troublemaker. Um, not, not very good grades in school. Yeah. I was focused on more like the creative side, right. um, breaking free. But I found joy within basketball, right? Okay. So people are like, you try, you know, you're 6'10", you gotta play ball, you gotta get out there and do that, right? At what age did you uh, reach 6'10"? 6'10 was uh, freshman year in college. Wow. But, dude, dude, my, but when you I, played ball in, in, in high school as well. Yeah, so the story is, is that I was just hooping, and I think it's like, it's, it goes back to the thing, like when you do something you're really passionate about, yeah. you never really think about the outcome of what's going on. So I was just always hooping and putting in work and playing. And it was my junior year, and I came home, and my mom was like, what's, what's going on? And I was like, what do you mean, what's going on? And she was like, did you see all the letters on the counter? Junior year of high school. Yeah, and I was like, no, what, what is it? And she's like, it's all these colleges that want you. Wow. And I was like, no, are you serious? And yeah. so I started going through, but they were low, low colleges, like D2s and D3s. Okay. Nothing, I'm not knocking D2, D3, but it was, it was lower, right? Right. But it was the first little like, eye-opener that I said, oh, I can, I can go to college, and I can get it paid for. Tight. Someone will pay for my college. Yeah. And so then I kind of put focus into that. And like when I say focus, I mean ultimate focus where it was everyday grind mode, playing and playing, playing. When it would snow in Atlanta, I'd cut the socks in half and use that. I would shoot in snow. I would dribble with a frozen basketball. I would make up basketball Olympics, throw the ball off the roof, and wherever it landed after twice, two dribbles, you had to shoot. Like that was me. And that was did, the did that and did that happen when you started to get the letters? Uh, from all the colleges, or did that drive come even before as a, as a sophomore? Because when did you right. how old were you when you started playing basketball? Yeah, like seven or something like that. How old were you when you became six feet tall? I was about nine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Travis, six, what are you, 6'10"? Six, 6'10 ten? Six, ten now. Yeah. Were you really nine? Not you were no, nine. No, no, oh, yeah. but I remember I was, I was uh, whatever age I was was my shoe size. So I was 12, 12, 13, 13, 14, 14, 15, 15, okay. 15, all the way to 17. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah, man, but it was crazy. But no, the, the letters didn't come as a result of me practicing harder because I knew they were on the way. I already had that passion. Okay. I already had that focus. And so it was just a result of being passionate about your work. What's like an early memory of yourself and that passion and that fo that focus, what would you say is one of your earliest memories of like, that is not normal for a kid? I did, like, go back to the snow. I remember standing in like a foot of snow, freezing at 11.30 at night. There was only one light flickering on our driveway. Yeah. And my dad coming out, I might've been like 11. And my dad coming out and saying, 
you have to come inside, you're going to get sick. <laughs> wow. And so, and he, I remember him telling my mom, I went upstairs at the top of the stairs, and I remember him saying, he really likes basketball. Like, we don't have to push him. Right. It, it's in his blood. That's what he Where wants. did that come from, you think? Was your pops, did your pops have that, like, drive? Yeah, no, so Pops was, he has way more passion and drive than I do. And I think that's kind of cool, like, you have to look up to your parents, but I can, I still can't amount to the d discipline he has. Mm. I can't reach it. It's so drastic and so insane. I mean, you have it, but, like, it's just nuts. Like, he gets up at, you know, four in the morning, and he's grinding, and he puts in a 12-hour day of work, and then he comes home, he does some more and more, and I never was able, I always would say to myself, I'm going to have the discipline my father has. And to this day, I still don't have it. Wow. And it's nuts. Um, but it was always something to look up to try to achieve. Okay. And I think having that, that above you going, hey, look, you're not doing what I'm doing, yeah. and I'm like 40 years older than you. Where does that come from him? I think just struggling. I think that everybody, no, and like, when I say struggling, just trying to make it, right? Trying yeah. to, to separate yourself from the herd. And I think for him, I mean, he was 6'6", 250, so he was a big guy back then, but he wanted to get farther and farther away from the herd. So I, he always practiced, and he preached that. He always preached sacrifice, Travis. Yeah. You have to sacrifice, which will come into play later in the story. But I mean, that was what it was all about. But I remember definitely being outside and them having to drag me in. Yeah. You know, and that was a big deal. And they knew, and I think that's with anything. Like if you're playing chess or playing baseball, if you're like pushing your son or daughter to do it, they don't want to do it. Right. If you're pushing someone to prospect, yeah. They don't want to do it. So you had that fire. You had that desire. You had that passion. You had the discipline to, to make it. And then you, you started to see the signs of that. Five, six years later, as a junior in high school, you start to get the letters from colleges. And then what happens from there? So I got the letters from colleges. And um, in the NCAA, you, it's like a seesaw. So you either have to have a high GPA or a high SAT score. And it kind of balances, right? Right. So I was such a goof off in high school. My GPA was low and my NCAA SAT wasn't high enough. Okay. So what happened was is that all these colleges started coming in and I started getting like Furman's and East Carolina's and all this crazy stuff. But they were like lower D1, still D1, but lower. And it came down to making a decision. And this is kind of where it gets crazy. So my senior year, everybody went to go to college, right? So they went to Georgia and Tennessee and from the South and went everywhere and they're drinking, having a good time. And they were like, Travis, what are you signing with? Who yeah. are you going to go with? And I was like, um, I don't know. I'm only down to two. And it was a school called Fork Union Military Academy, which was, um, no, dude, I cannot tell you how rough this was. It was military outfits, rifles, marching, timed eating. So, like, you only had four minutes to eat your breakfast. And then you had to do this. Shoe shine. Not, I mean, it was full wow. blown. No girls, no radio, no TV, in a fort, lockdown. That was one option I had. The other option I had was... Um, East Carolina, it was a okay. low D one. So my dad's like, okay, look, he's like, we gotta make a decision. So you've gotta decide what you wanna do. And were those decisions based on what you researched on the schools or those were just the two best? This is all I had left. This is all you had. This is all I had. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, cool. So we get in the car and we drive from Atlanta up to Carolina. I get out of the car and it's like gorgeous girls everywhere. The sunshine is amazing, beautiful, this and that. They take me to the facilities. It's not bad at all. Like, yeah. It's really, really cool. And the coach comes out and he's like, he's like, look, man, he's like, I want you. He's like, I want you to play for us. You're going to get instant playing time. This is yours. Like this, campus is yours. Yeah. My mom was like, you can be the BMOC. And I was like, what's that? She's like, the big man on campus. Like, you can be it. This is BMOC. It. Yeah. And I was like, cool. Like, this is it. So we loved it. I mean, it was everything, right? So then the next day we wake up in the morning and we drive to Fork Union, Virginia. And it's mm. cold and it's dark. And I remember driving through the gates. Like, and we drive in and everybody looked miserable. And everybody had on an outfit. And it was barracks and it was cold and the facilities were shit. And I was like, oh, no. So we walked around and everything. And the difference was is that if I signed with Fork Union, I'd basically be going to 13th grade in high school. Okay. But... It was the number one basketball prep school in the United States. Oh, it means wow. that every single D1 major player coach would come through there, right? But it was hell. So I came back to home, and I remember I walked in the door, and my mom was a big smile, and she was like, "Honey," and she's like, "Oh my God! So are you ready to go to Carolina, East Carolina, and you know do this and that?" And I was like, "No, I'm going to go to Fork Union." And she started crying. Really? Yeah. Right there on the and spot. What was the main deciding factor for you to choose, to choose that? Because I I knew I couldn't be sitting at East Carolina, going 
if I had just sacrificed a year, yeah. I could be where those guys are. Because the the the, the D ones, they dude, were... and I believed it. I was like, I can play D one. I know I can play at that level, wow. and I didn't want to do it. So I was like, I'm I'm gonna give up a whole year of my life. And so I don't understand how it all works. Why didn't the D one coaches uh, go to East Carolina? No, that East Carolina, East Carolina is a D1 school. It's just a lower D1. Like, there's, there's low D1, and then there's, like, Duke and Carolina and Kansas and, like, big schools. Okay, got it, like, got it, got it. You know, ESPN and ABC, NBC, those are, like, your big, big schools. Right. And then there's lower D1, which gets a little bit of playtime, but they're not as – that's not the best. Mm. And so at that point, man, I, I, I just knew that I couldn't sit at a lower D1 knowing that I could have been there. So I was willing to sacrifice a year of my life. And so I went to Fork Union, and the very first day I got there, I went to this dumpy gym, and it was like Hoosiers. Have you ever seen the movie Hoosiers? It's just like that. And my coach came out, and his name was Coach Fletcher Eric, the best coach I've ever had. And he walks out, and he goes, Camby, because he only called me by my last name. He goes, Camby, come here for a second. And he brings me over, and he goes, see how low your pants are? Because I was sagging. Like, yeah. I had my shit like down on my knees. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, He's like, you see how low your pants are? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you think anybody is going to want to sign you? Anybody? you think any coach is going to come here and see you and be like, I want that? Yeah. And I was like, I think so, coach. He's like, no. And that was the kind of the very first time I thought about, like, your image is so mm. important. He's like, pull your pants up, but before you do, take this. And he pulls out of his back pocket, like I've never seen before, pulls out this gnarly jock strap. And he's like, you ever seen one of these before? And I was like, no. He just had a jock strap chilling in chilling his pocket. Chilling in his back pocket. And he's like, you ever seen one of these before? I was like, never. He's like, this is a jock strap. You're gonna put this jock strap on, you're gonna wear it every day, you're gonna tuck your pants in, they're gonna be around this, you're gonna walk like that, and that's who you're going to be in this facility. And I promise you, you will get signed. And I was like, whoa, okay, cool. So just like you yeah. being in real estate, just like I'm a coach, I'm just following what they're telling yeah. me to do. And um, so towards the end of the year, um, I was 47th in the nation for a big man. Wow. And um, I had a lot of schools coming at me. And, um, at the I, end of the first year? That's a, it's one year program. Damn. So at the end of the year, and so this Kansas State, which is Big 12, they came out to watch another guy play. And I think I had like 26 points, something like that. And they came after the, my dad actually drove out to there. And I think, I don't know where it was, maybe Virginia. And they said, Travis, we came out to see such and such play, but we saw you instead. We want to offer you a full, a full, a full four-year year scholarship. And I was like blown away. Damn. Like I did it. I did it. I did it. And I gave my dad a big hug and I said, this could be it. And I was supposed to see Tennessee um, like two days later. But after visiting Kansas State, they gave me a 24-hour window to sign. Wow. And Tennessee wasn't guaranteed. So they were like, hey. And so I told my dad, I said, dad, this is what I worked for a year for. I think I'm going to take it. And he was like, do it. So we went to Kansas State and four years there and it was nuts. Damn. Yeah, man. But it was just the very first time I truly sacrificed. And which is what I did in real estate, right. you know, right about when I met you. But I mean, um, sacrifice is everything. If you can't sacrifice in life, how do you grow? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. How do you move forward? And so I, those four years, what were some of the best lessons that you, you, you had and that you experienced in those four years playing in Kansas? So, I mean, obviously like playing on TV and doing that and meeting incredible players and like playing against all these players that LeBron plays against, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that was unique and special in its own element. But also, I mean, learning um, that even when you reach the top level, there's always someone bigger and better mm. than you. Because I came in my freshman year, got like eight minutes a game, and the next year they recruited over me immediately. And it just kind of showed me that like, even though I busted my ass for a year, worked my ass off to get here, I was disposable right. and that someone jumped ahead of me. And so you can never take your foot off the gas. While you were in that, in those four years, was your plan to, to go pro? So yeah, man. So I always, so I'm kind of like a realist, right? So I always was like, man, I want to get pro. I want to play in the NBA. I want to make all this money and just live this lavish lifestyle and have the best time ever. Well, when I got recruited over in my sophomore year and I wasn't able to jump up again, right. I knew that I wasn't NBA material. So what was that, two years in? So basically my, my sophomore, junior, and senior year, my time just declined more and more. Wow. Became a role player. I mean... I still don't knock it. I mean, I made it to the highest level possible. Yeah. I played like eight minutes a game, had a blast, four years paid for, graduated. I mean, it was an incredible experience. So why do you think, though, like why couldn't you turn pro? I just wasn't good enough. I just, I, did, I think that there's an element when you have a God-given gift and you're like, whoa. Like this, for instance, there was a guy on my team who was my height, Tyler, his name was Tyler. If you're listening, Tyler, sorry, bud, but you were, he was seven feet tall. And, right. he, and, and he could jump through the gym. 
but he lacked passion. He okay. lacked heart. And so he got pushed around. So what I had was heart and passion to fight. And if I could have given that talent and put it inside of him, he would have gone, he would have gone pro. Mm. But he didn't, he didn't lack that, so he didn't go pro. So, you so I mean, was that difficult at that point? I mean, you're what, 18, 19 years old. You've got this whole dream, and you're, 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 super, you're somebody who I know is super passionate. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to turn pro. Like, what's the process that you go through of realizing, like, fuck? Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So When you have so much passion, how does that, you know, because you also have to have a level of maturity. Yeah, yeah. but it was painful. It's brutal. My coach in college sucked. He was awful. He mm. was an X and O's guy, but he wasn't. Like, he couldn't tell me. If I was like, Coach, where do I live? Where am I born? What, what are my parents' names? He'd like, I have no idea. Yeah. Like, he had no idea. Well, and it he, doesn't make me bad. I don't remember your parents' names either. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, he just didn't really know anything. They didn't yeah. really care about the squad. Um, no, your sister's name, because you're always tagging her. Yeah, yeah. that works. What's cool. your name? Uh, Kev. Kev. Yeah. Kev. Kev. So... All right, you're, now, you're 18, 19, you realize like, man. It's not gonna happen. Not gonna happen, you finish college, what do you do after that? GoPro. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, well, since I couldn't make NBA, I'm gonna at least try to make European pro. Okay. So um, I tell my dad, I'm like, hey, like, I'm not a chump player, I can still, I can still ball, like, I, I know I didn't get a lot of time, but I can still hoop. He's like, okay, cool. So I was like, let's go down to Florida and try out for international, like, pro overseas. So we get in the car, we jump, we go to Florida, and when we're down there, it's just a gym, and it's loaded around it with all co European coaches. Wow. And uh, my dad was like, okay, dude, he's like, this is it. You have three days to land a contract. Make it happen. Damn. And so I went in there, started killing it, and using my talents. You're firstborn? What? Are you firstborn? Yeah, first. Okay. Went in there, just grind, grind, back and forth, playing really hard. And uh, Germany, uh, a little section in Germany reached out to me. They're like, we would like to take you on. We'll pay for you to come out here and play ball. Wow. And there was a little town called Guppingen near Stuttgart. And uh, dude, I was so amped, like stupid amped. And I just wanted to make sure that um, I just had a blast. And so I signed a contract with them. And then that's when my dad, before I left, my parents were like, hey, look. I was like, I'm going to save this money and I'm going to invest it. And, then, and he was like, he's like, I want you to come back broke. He's like, I want you to come back with zero money in your pocket. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, because this is a once in a lifetime experience. Yeah. You're never going to get this again. And if you are saving and penny pinching your life through this year, then you're going to blow it. Pops was like, just go all out, Dude. experience everything you can. And so I did. And so what I did is right when I got out there, I got earrings. <laughs> money well said <laughs> all your ATL rap dreams. Let me do this. Dude, earrings. And then I dyed my hair every Friday a different color. Because I was trying to like hook up with this one girl and she was dying the hair, so I had to come in like every Friday to see her. So you knew the art of rapport at a very early age. Dope. So I was doing that, got earrings, grew my hair out, and my they said we're gonna give you one meal a day, we're gonna give you a car and a house, and then like I think it came out to like I don't know fifty grand yeah. for the year or whatever. But you can Damn. make more money if you got more rebounds and stuff like that. So dude, I was just living the best life of my. I was living the best life. Oh, I had zero responsibilities. Traveled all over Europe, partied in clubs. Going to Amsterdam, picking up like a pound of weed, bringing yeah. it back. Dude, it was just amazing. We had the best time ever. And I remember I got off the plane. And your team is from all over the world? All over the world. All over the world. You could have two Americans per team. Okay. Had the best time of my life. Came back. And I got off the plane. And I lost like, you know, 70 pounds, 60 pounds. Wow. Yeah. They took me, because in college I was almost 300 pounds. And then they put me to a, like a three guard, which brought me to 230. So got off the plane. And my mother was like, I don't even recognize you. I don't even know who you are. And I had this bleached blonde, long, like Goldilocks, weird hair. Oh, man. Earrings. Herpes. And, uh, herps. A little, couple herps. A couple <laughs> lip sores. <laughs> and, uh, dude, I just flicked a euro at my pops. Bloop. Wow. And he, he caught it. And I was like, it's all I got. Yeah. And he was like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. So, and then, uh, yeah. And then that's when I started getting. So, how long were you in Europe? About a year and a half. We so went. Won the championship. That was Man, cool. Man, that's amazing, dude. And so then what, what did you do after that? So then I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, what am I going to do? Because you're how old at this point? What am I, like 20, I don't even know, 21, 20, okay. like that. How old are you now? 37. Okay. And uh, God, that was so long ago. Damn, you're old. <laughs> dude. <You're> my <laughs> age. Oh, Jesus. We're old. Dude, you know, we're like, some people consider this middle age. Did you know that? Some people just consider this dead. <laughs> I, I was you. talking to somebody the other day. I was talking to one of my friends. I was talking to my buddy Arson, 
And his real he's name, like, is his real name Arson? Yeah, it's my boy. And he's like, wow. yeah, you know, I mean, for middle-aged men. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold up, Come dog. Middle, we middle-aged? No. I don't know. I feel 11. Yeah. You know? Um, what was I talking about again? I forgot. God, you ruined what it. What do you do? <laughs> what do you do, right? You know, you get home. Oh, yeah. You won the championships. Killed the game out there. So basketball's over. At the time over. of your life. You're 21. So basketball's over now. I've, I've taken it now. I, I've officially put basketball over. I'm like, oh, shut that okay. book. And at this point, I feel like I've accomplished it, dude. Top of the college, played pro, traveled the world. Like, yeah. I've done more than 99.9% of basketball players out there. Boom. That's cool. Cool. So I'm done with that. And um, I was like, well, I love blood and guts and people dying. So why don't I get into the medical world? <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> so I was like, I got to get into that, right? Someone was like, and I was hooping one did day. Did you go... Did you take any... Um... No, I did not. No. No, okay. no, I did not. I was a moron. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, I should be a doctor, you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so uh, my buddy was like, get into medical device sales. They make like a couple hundred thousand a yeah. year and you'll crush it. And I was like, oh, sure, sure. So I went into medical device and that is basically, I was a human manual inside the OR with the doctor next to me. And as the doctor would chop up people, I would provide all these like RoboCop arms, knees and all this kind of stuff for him to like put into the body. And it was, people were mangled, mangled. Stuff that would just throw you your stomach for a loop. Now, what kind of process do you have to go through of training in school before you're sitting there holding on to a robo leg next to a doctor? So I think you should definitely go through more training. <laughs> but uh, they were like, they just put me through like maybe a couple week courses. Now I don't get it though. Was this a sales? Because you, you got into medical sales. So if you get into medical sales, they put you into... The, like there's different like genres, I guess right. you'd say. But mine was total reconstruction of hip, shoulder, and knee. Wow. And they were like, so I moved to San Diego because I was like, I'm going to find my girl in San Diego. I'm going to find a California chick. Like okay. that's what all I wanted. Because being from the East Coast, we see California and we go... <gasps> Hollywood, it's, it's be. gotta be. Oh, oh my god, sure. the hottest girls, the coolest beaches. I got a dream. Go. When I lived in Ohio, it was all the, those kids' dream to yeah. come to Cali. So I moved, I landed in San Diego, and the way I got that job with Stryker is I just got on a plane and I went out to San Diego and I sat in the office until someone saw me. Now, you've heard other people do it, right? And I just sat in the office and this guy walks in, and he's like, Who the hell are you? What the fuck are you doing in the yeah. office, Travis? And I was like, Hey, I just, you know, my name's Travis. Can I get an interview? And he's like, dude, I'm like trying to get stuff done, but I get, uh, hold on. Goes, talks to the boys, like, get in here real fast. We'll give you like a three minute interview. I, I have zero idea why you're here. I'm like, cool. Go in there and just rock it. And so he, you didn't have an interview lined up. No. You just knew. Now, how did you know about Stryker? Because that's what my friends told me. They're okay. like, you guys should get him a Stryker. Get him a Stryker. And so did you try to get an interview via email? And Yeah, dude, no one was messing with me. Nothing. Nothing. And yeah. they're like, you're too far away. You're on the East Coast. So I was like, I'll just go. And that's the kind of mentality I am. I'm like, with door knocking, like, I'm just going to knock. Did you have a house? Did you line up your yeah, house Yeah, so my first? boy Ned, my so cousin. You, you fly out to your cousin Ned's and you're like, I'm just going to hang out in the striker lobby. Yeah, let's do this. So I sit in there for like 45 minutes and finally they see me. The interview lasted six minutes and I was hired in seven. Wow. And I remember I was making like 40 grand back in Atlanta and I was like, well, what is my base going to be in there? Like 73. I was like, $73,000? Are you serious? <laughs> so they gave me seventy three and all this other stuff like that. And so I started working in San Diego. Within three weeks, they were like, Travis, you are in, you're really good, and we're yeah. going to promote you. And I was like, where am I going now? And they were like, this place called Palm Springs. Knew nothing about it, but it, it said the word Palm and Springs. Sound right. And I was like, dude, I took it on the spot. Man. I was like, done. Wow. Drove out there and wanted to shoot myself. Oh, my gosh. Instantly. Jeez. So how long did that last? Nine years. So Nine I went out years. there, I converted like a ton of surgeons, became top 10% in the nation, crushing it, making you know a couple hundred thousand, like everything was good. And um, I was like, I'm stuck in Palm Springs, which is like the gay 90s, you're either gay or 90. <laughs> and it's like the most miserable place ever. Dude, it was so brutal. Everyone was dying, everyone was a potato chip. And I was like, I gotta get out of here. And I was dating Judith, and she was in L.A. doing modeling. So she was doing back and forth. How'd you guys meet? Hammered in Vegas. Okay, that'll yeah. do it. Yeah, that'll yeah. do it. That's a crazy story, too. But anyway, so yeah, that was Judith. And, um, and just so everybody knows, if you ever get the chance to hang out with Travis, for the sake of time, there are some episodes that could, could just be some of Travis's stories. Make sure you just hang out with the dude and get some of these stories. Because they're legendary. Yeah, they're crazy. Legendary stories. Yeah, they're not interesting stories. Right. A little graphic, too, but sometimes. But, um, 
Yeah, man. So I said to Judy, I said, um, I got, we got to get out of here. So I put my resume out and I landed a spine division, lower spine. Mm. And they're like, hey. And I remember I walked out of there and I was like, what's my salary? And they're like, 200000 I was like, no way. They're like, yeah, we'll give you two hundred grand plus a lot of stuff. I was like, Judy, we've made it. That was the very first time ever in my life that I felt like I was truly made it, made it. And I was yeah. like, dude, I'm fucking making two hundred grand a year? Yeah. And I got my girl. I'm moving to LA. I was like, I'm making it. Yeah, I'm you're doing killing it. it. That's a lot. So I get out to uh, LA. We scoop a crib for 2800 a month. We're like, oh, this is great. You know, got the cars and everything. I'm doing it for maybe three weeks, and I know for 100% I absolutely hate my life. What was it? Lack of passion. I wasn't in there shooting hoops in the cold. Mm. Like, I had zero passion for it, but I was making as much, mo the most money I ever made. And I was like, I hate this. And so... That's interesting. Do you think making the amount of money you, you always wanted to make layered with your work actually that combination gave you the realization so now here we are travis has his dream job he's got the place he's got the car he's making a quarter million bucks a year but something happens and he realizes man this thing i've been chasing this money that's not it there's something more in store for me and I think it takes an immense amount of courage to realize that, you know what, I got to make a change. So let's take a listen now as Travis begins to go through a process of realizing what's really important. What does he really want? And it wasn't easy. It took a long time. But let's dive in and hear about some of the steps that Travis took to get to where he is today. It was miserable. I realized at that point that I was chasing a job for the last nine years that I had zero passion for. Wow. The only reason I was chasing it was for the money. Yeah. That was it. And of course, when you chase anything for money, it dissolves quickly. Yeah. And so, so about three, to, three weeks into it, I woke up one morning in our new little crib and I walked at like 4.50 in the middle. I remember this. And Judy was asleep on the right-hand side of the bed. And I went over to her and I wasn't in tears. But I definitely was like having this self self realization that I just fucking hated my life. Yeah. And I went over to her and I woke her up and she was like, Yeah, yeah, what's up? And I was like, Hey, I was like, I'm gonna quit my job today. I'm gonna quit this job and we're gonna lose everything because we can't afford it anymore. Mm. And she just looked at me and said, Okay, do it. I jumped in the car at five o'clock, drove down to Yorba Linda where my guy was. And knocked on the door. He answered the door like basically in his pajamas. And he was like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, I'm quitting. And he was like, are you kidding me? Yeah, You're going to you give up 200 it. grand? And I was like, yeah. And he called me 30 minutes later and he goes, I know you're quitting this job. I'll give you $500,000 salary plus more to move to San Francisco tomorrow. Pick up your stuff. Do it. I told him no. Damn. And I was like, dude, I can't do this 500 grand job. I can't do this anymore. What was it about the job? Was it, was it the job or was it just the fact that you knew you weren't doing what you wanted to do? No, dude, life? it's because I had shitty people around me. Like how you always say your vibe is your tribe. Uh -huh. The people I was with weren't my tribe. Yeah. I was only, I was manipulating who I was to fit into that tribe. Mm. And because of that, I was like a cancer. I didn't fit. And they could recognize it and I could recognize mm. it. And the, the, the biggest turning point was this guy said, Travis, I need you to cover a doctor down in San Diego. And he told me, I'm make this quick, but he told me like, prepare for surgery A. And so for two weeks, I just prepared, dude. I was stressing, stressing and stressing, preparing, preparing, preparing. And um, I walked in there, the doctor takes the knife out, whoosh, cuts the patient over, and he looks back at me and he goes, did you pull B? And, I, and my heart dropped. And I was like, no, 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 all I have is A. He's like, where the fuck is B at? And I was like, I didn't pull B. He's like, we're doing B, Travis. We have a patient that's on the table, and we're doing B. And I was just like frozen, and that's when I knew my, that my team set me up. Wow. And I was like, oh, these fucking guys just set me up. And so I had two options there, because that's someone's mother, father, brother, sister on the table, right? So it's not the patient's fault. Right. Doctors tripping balls. And I call up this guy who told me to go down there. And I'm like, dude, I'm sitting in the OR right now. The patient is split wide open. You told me the stuff that I practice is not happening right now. Shit is for real right now. I'm going to walk out of here in 10 minutes starting now if you don't come in the door. 
within eight minutes, he busted through the door. Wow. So he knew. So he told me he's he out of town. Oh, yeah, dude. So he yeah, busted yeah. the door. He's like, hey, Doc, what's going on? What's going on? And I was like, dude, you're a fucking dick. Like, you set me up. You set the patient up. You set everybody up. And I was like, dude, this is not me. Wow. I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. Fuck all the money, all this. I don't care anymore. I just want to do something that I'm passionate about. And then that's when we lost everything. And Judy and I was like, dude, we have to pick up and we have got to figure this out. But we got to get out of here. Yeah. Because all the money stopped. So when all the money stopped, then we picked up and we started just losing money and, we, and our credit was shit. Yeah. So we couldn't get into an apartment. And this is before I met you. So like a couple months before you, like I was still closing stuff, but we couldn't get in. Dude, we started, we lived in Pasadena in a hotel out of a Toyota Camry outside. That was the closet. And then we lived in the Pasadena hotel and it was a nightmare. Yeah. That's all we had. Wow. And I was like, oh, man. And then we did that for like a couple of weeks, and it was $85 a night. Blah, 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 blah. And the bank was going down low. And Judy started crying one morning, and she's like, I'm scared to death. Like, are we going to make this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. So my sister was living in Koreatown. And she was like, I got a hookup with the landlord who basically like won't check your credit. Right. And so I was like, we'll take it. We got in there, and she uh, was like, okay, like, we'll do it, right? So she approves me. That night, I slept in my Koreatown apartment on the floor because I didn't want to spend the 85 bucks to sleep in Pasadena. Yeah. The next morning, she calls me. She's like, can you come on downstairs? I'm like, yeah. She's like, I'm going to have to decline it. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? why? Right. And she's like, because your credit's shit. So I'm like, hold on. So I pull up my BRE, and I show her all my listings that I've got. And I'm right. like, I got all these listings, and this is the equivalent of like 60 grand. My credit's getting me prepared over here. And like, sell her. And she's like, okay. All right, I'll let it go. So from the point of from the point of leaving the striker job, right? Striker's paying you two hundred. You tell him you're gonna leave. You get the offer for five hundred thousand in SF. At what point we missed something? At what point do you get into real estate? Oh, so when I quit that, so right after we quit the job, then I was like, dude, we got to make money, Judy. So I became a ID checker at a bar okay. and she worked upstairs it was on Hollywood Boulevard. She worked upstairs as a bottle service. Got it. So we would grind from nine to three in the night. Right. And then at the end of the night we'd come back and she'd make a couple hundred bucks. And I would like, I would just like swindle like yeah, these drunk yeah, yeah. cats out of money. Whoop, whoop, whoop. So I would make a hundred bucks or whatever. So we'd make 300 bucks. Right. Night, right. And that was our way to living. Right. And, but I told myself before I jump into something that I really love, I'm going to hit the hip hop scene. Right. Because I'm, I'm, that's what I was going to ask you. I'm like, wait, I, whoop, I'm missing something. I'm missing a whole rap career Oh, here. yeah. Oh, for sure. So we were making 300 bucks a night. Because just, just for the sake of time, from the time of leaving the striker job until you actually had your real estate license, how much time passed there? Maybe a year and a half. A year and a half. So in a year and a half is where... Your rap career, because <laughs> I'm wondering where you went from this the striker job with this money to living out of the car. So I get it now. Striker job ends, and there is a year and a half gap where Judy's doing bottle service. You're checking IDs. A rap career begins. Because yes. I imagine there's got to be 40, 50, maybe 80 Gs saved up, and yeah. that vanishes. Yeah, there was. There now was like, I know how the there money was like 50, I think there was like 50 stacks in the bank. And a I rap just, career will end that in a year. And it, the rap career took it. <laughs> It took all of it. <laughs> God bless it. No, so anyway, dude, so I was like, so the whole rapping thing was. In so con- when you left Stryker, let me get this straight. When you left Stryker, did you tell yourself, well, I'm going to be a rapper? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Okay. You know it. Yeah. yeah. Did you have any experience recording any music at all? Yes. Oh, okay. So in college, I was doing parody stuff. All right. And I was just crushing that. And I started building this wave at Kansas State. And I had this thing inside my room. It was called the booth. Okay. And anybody who came in had to sign it, and then you had to drop a freestyle oh, or wow. spit something. So we, at the end of two or three years, it was just loaded with signatures, and we had like NFL athletes and all these crazy people come yeah. through. And um, so I did that. But then my dad was a lot of he did a lot of poetry and stuff like that. And I was like, I can do this. I can, I can do this. And I started listening to the hip hop game, and I was like, dude, these guys suck. Yeah. Especially now, hip hop so died so much. But I was like, holy shit, these guys are horrible. And I know that I'm lyrical and I can do this. So I started doing stuff. And then that's when like Dougie Fresh hit me up. Yeah. And he was like, what's up, man? And this is on Reverb Nation. He was like, look, I checked out your stuff, blah, blah. And then that's when Universal Records hit me up. And they were like, yo, what's up? I saw you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So then I got into the artist development with like, was it Universal? Oh, fuck. 
I think so. So then they took me under their wing, and then he was like, hey, let's kind of work on this a little bit. And that's when I started taking it serious and started performing and crushing throughout LA and that thing, it was so epic. It what was year is that? 2011-ish, 12. So is Judy wondering, hmm, all right, I'm, I'm in, are you guys engaged at this point? No, no. So you guys are together, you're living together, you leave your high paying job, she's doing bottle service, you're rapping. Is she, is she concerned at all? I think so, very, very concerned. <laughs> very concerned. But dude, I, but we were just like, Thing. Let's yeah. do this. Let's live this no life. Kids, Let's... just go for it. No, it's So I set up a recording studio inside of a closet in our place in Hollywood, and we were just—I was just grinding, and all I did every day was just like smoke a little, go into the booth, crank out music, perform. I went down to Hollywood Boulevard to perform on the streets. Wow, dude, it was epic, epic. And uh, then I worked on a, st- and I knew like I'm kind of like when it's like you, like I know that I'm gonna set a goal, I'm gonna reach yeah. it. So my goal was I'm not gonna quit this lifestyle until I drop a studio album. And I was like, I'm gonna make it regardless. Yeah. And so um, I did, man. And I made a studio album, I put it out on iTunes and everywhere, it was crazy. I had a good time with it. And then um, I kept pushing for the dream and the money ran out. Yeah. And I was like, damn it, we don't have any more money. <laughs> and this uh, hip hop game's not paying. Right. And so um, she was like, well, what do you like doing? And I was, I was like, well, I like mingling with people. Turn on the TV and I'm watching Million Dollar Listing and I'm like, dude, are you telling me that these guys are making buckets of these guys? And there they were. They were just like crushing it. The commission pops up, bottom left-hand corner. Ding, ding, 500,000. How long did it take you to get your license? So after seeing that episode, I applied the next morning. Wow. Because I was so, I was like, dude, come on, give me a break. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you see your competition and it's total dorks. Right. And then you're like, I can do that. That's what, 2014? Um, something like that, yeah. Something like that. So Judy and I got a group on for 300 bucks, 150 a pop, nationwide real estate executives, de- walking distance from our crib, every Thursday studied and kept rapping, studying that, and then I got my license. Yeah. And then, uh, dude, that was epic. When I got my license, that, and the, the trick is like, you think that like, you got your license, you're like, got my license, right. and like, now I'm going to be a millionaire. Yeah, yeah. And, and you did, from what I know about you, is you did pretty good like your first year two years you got some deals your deals are going all over the place from palm springs all over the inland empire Tehachapi. yeah yeah dude we moved 18 homes our first year and when i say we like some of those homes are i was working with a guy in redlands and he was so i'm like associated with the home out there right you know what i mean yeah but we did well like we started digging out of this hole you know yeah um and that was it was really cool seeing that we could do it and it takes you all the way up to 2017. You know, if we fast forward to where we're at now, um, again, you had been putting out this energy, this top producer, top producer energy that caught my attention. Right. Um, but for the listeners, tell us where you were at then. And I have really seen you and Judy shift into a level of focus. Um, purpose yeah and then also look this is about getting results just working hard does not get you anywhere in real estate no it just it just doesn't and i saw you work really hard we clicked up around march 2017 something like that and man i saw you grind it out so that's all 2017 we're now in in December 2018, and yeah. I feel like three months ago, something clicked, mm-hmm. right? So that's like a year and a half. What was going on for you in that year and a half with Case, and what shifted for you over the last 100 days? So the very first year when we pushed 18 homes, I was like, I was kind of cocky. I was like, dude, I got this. Yeah. Like, this isn't difficult. I can do this, and I'm barely even trying. Right. And my skill set is low. Yeah. And I was like, so I'm just off survival mode. Right. And I'm still doing better than most people. So I was on this high. And then I also had a lot of negative energy into mm. me. I had this, like, this hatred for everyone else who was successful. Mm. I would like look at these people and I would say, oh, I'm, I know I'm better than that guy. Like, right. I can do that. You know what I mean? And so like, that was it. And then I was under the, the athletic assumption that if you work hard and you grind hard right. every day, Travis, you will be successful. Yeah. That's not the case. Think about that. And, and I think for the listeners, we want to think about that recipe that, you know, what you give out is what you get back. When you layer that energy of like, ah, 
you know, looking at other wealthy people, which wealthy people is ideally who you want to be working with because right. they're buying and selling, layered with this competitive nature of grind, 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 grind. It didn't work. No, it didn't work at all. And um, it got you some results, but then it it, it wasn't long term. So, like, I'm a I'm a strong, strong believer that the vibrations that you put out is the vibrations you'll attract and bring back to you. And so, I was putting out aggressive, negative. I'm better. They suck. You know, why aren't I at the top? Why is this happening to me? Why do I live in Koreatown? You know, and it was that constant energy. And the clients that I attracted were the exact same. Right. My escrows were difficult. Things were falling apart. It wasn't easy. I'm linked up with Case, and that was the very first time that people were like, you've got it all wrong, Travis. Yeah. You've got everything wrong, dude. Like, your whole, your whole mental and your vibrations are brutal. Right. You've got to read it. And I remember even you telling me, like, dude, you got to fall in love with Koreatown. you got to do this. And I was like, man, fuck Kevin. <laughs> And I remember thinking, like, I wonder if he's going to get it because it was so obvious to see. You'd be like, dude, I'm dealing with this client and he's such a dick and he's just all angry all the time. And it was like client after client. And, I, and I'm like, and, and you, you're like, you know, it's just in L.A. It's not, you know, you're an O.C., Kevin. Like, everybody's like a server in O.C. I'm like, Trav, I also sell in L.A., dog. Yeah. And I attract cool, awesome people. And you're like, no, dude, you don't understand. Like, everybody's angry. And the whole crew side. Yeah. And... I feel like so much of us were like, I hope he gets it. I hope he gets it. Yeah, man. And, you know? and Judy, and then the worst was when Judy was like a clone of you. Oh, so yeah. like, I'd be like, I felt bad. We would do these coaching calls, guys, and it would be the three of us, and I would say some stuff, and then you just hear Judy, see, I told you. <laughs> I'm like, poor Trav. Yeah. And then I get off the phone, and she'd be like, "Did you hear what Kevin said?" And I'd be like, "Yeah." And she'd be like, "And you're doing this wrong. You're that wrong." She's like, "Basically, Kevin and I are the same." And I'd be like. God. So anyway, so <laughs> I think after really, really drilling that into my head, yeah. finally I was like, I got to the point where I was fighting it so hard. Right. Yeah, I was just, finally I just got exhausted. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I cannot fight anymore. Yeah. I'm done. And I surrendered. I like put all faith and I put all positive energy and I just did everything that everyone told me to do right. and just like completely gave in. And when I did that is when it all started to come back. Yeah, man. And it was nuts. And I was like, holy cow. And I started telling Judy, I was like, look at other, and she was like, I know, I know, we've been telling you that. And like, oh, dude, so everything I would say, she'd be like, Kevin told you that five months ago. Kevin told you that yeah. seven months ago. You know what I mean? But, but you have to, everybody's got to go through it on their own time. It's kind of like an alcoholic when you just hit the bottom, rock yeah. bottom, and you're like, dude, this is it. But I gave up and I realigned and I said, Judy, we're just so sporadic. I've been negative. I'm going to change everything. Let's focus on everything we're doing. So we started doing affirmations in the morning, prayers in the morning, meditation at night and in the morning, um, visualizations from everything. So now our day is based solely around energy, faith, and visualizations. Like awesome. that's it. That's yeah. it. And um, the very first thing I get up in the morning, it's on, it's on automatic now. The minute my eyes open up, the very first thing I do is I say, thank you, God, for another day. Yeah. Like, I've got another day. I was almost brought to tears a couple days ago. I was sitting there by myself just walking to get a sparkling water. And I thought, how, how like, amazing is this that I'm 37 years old, I'm alive, I live in Koreatown, yeah. I have no kids, I've got a lot of money in the bank, i got a beautiful future wife, like, I'm so blessed, yeah. I'm so blessed. And I was like, my parents are alive, right. my family's healthy, like, I'm not sick. And I was just thinking about all these little things that yeah. we take for granted. I almost, almost started crying yeah. on the way to Quick Trip. That's the, that's the goal. Dude. That's the goal. The goal is to shed a tear of bliss every single morning. Holy cow. You know what I mean? Because we live in this world where we're always trying to elevate to the next level and always get more and more and more. And there's nothing wrong with setting those goals, but it's so easy to feel a level of lack when you play a big game. Oh. You know what I mean? But to stop and really, truly recognize what's working, what's awesome, what we have, our family, our health, where you live, the opportunity. I remember, yeah. And then I was walking, I grabbed Judy's hand and I was like, look, we're walking. We were walking by a homeless person and some trash. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we're going to be 85 one day, not being able to do this. And we're going to, I swear, you know we are. We're going to look back and go, remember when we were in our 30s living in Koreatown? Yeah. How cool was that? 
And like a lot of people in LA, especially like kind of the environment we're in, would look at my life right now and be like, dude, yeah. that guy ain't making it. Right. But I am making it. You are making it. Well, and you know, we got to consider this topic too, because I remember thinking about, I saw the practices, but I felt like it was pretend. Because you were writing the gratitude list, you were doing the stuff, you were, you, you were reading the books, you were saying affirmations, right. but I felt like at your core, you know, something wasn't right. It wasn't. It was off. Yeah. It was off. Totally. Even though you were doing, so just for the listeners, you can, you can write out a gratitude list, right? <laughs> you can say your affirmations, you can have goals, but if your core energy is this isn't working, you got to get right with your core energy. Absolutely. What, what? what caused you to get right with that core energy what do you think it was because you were doing the practices you were writing out a gratitude list you were like kev i'm waking up early kev i'm you know and and but there you're i feel like your inner core energy something wasn't really matching yeah it wasn't i was dead inside yeah. like it really was dead inside and i was struggling with the fact when you restart your life at 34 years old mm -hmm. and you go from top 10 percent all the way to the living in Korea town it dude it crushes you i don't know as a man or whatever but like you are just like fuck, dude like yeah. here i am i'm back at the bottom again yeah um but i started waking up every morning and i would i would put a motivational speech on and i would listen to that for like 30 minutes mm. while i would go in the gym and do cardio and just constantly like pumping this motivational positive stuff listening to you and constantly i think it was just so much pounding in yeah. it finally just gave it like it was there and i also realized like one day when i re totally relaxed and started doing visualizations and it happened like 20 minutes later yeah. and then i did it again the next day and it happened 20 minutes later right. i was like dude this shit is really works yeah. like this is for real and that's when i started just doing it all the time and a lot of people i'm sure listening now will be like that's hocus pocus hippie bullshit travis and it doesn't work and i was there i was there yeah. but if you just believe and like if you can move yourself into gratitude to the point where you're crying or about to cry dude you're on the right track right because i was doing it and writing my stuff like i'm so grateful to be alive i'm so grateful to be part of this team blah blah but it's bullshit i was just writing it because someone told me to write it and it's not until you are self-motivated and you get up early and you beat your alarm and you start writing it or like right now i'm writing a book i'm up early right. i'm up at five writing because it's important it's like yeah. it's what i want to do when we know like it's just you don't it's like basketball that's why i was out in the front yard like you have to want to do it and no one as much as you preach to someone or someone else no one's going to just it's not just going to do it unless you really believe it in your core like you're saying that's and that awesome. was the problem dude i was dead inside and not believing it it's not about the doing it's about the being For you were sure. doing the practices you were doing meditation you were doing affirmations but who you were being was this isn't working life sucks in Koreatown. It does. And I was just doing it because I was told to do it. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, man, I am super, super proud of you. Why don't you give people some insight as to what you're up to now? Because your business is absolutely killing it. Just double-ended a really sick mid-century home yeah, and, cool. and outpost estates. Uh, I want to make sure to give, give you some shine as to your focus. So, guys, if you're not familiar with where outpost estates is and really just Hollywood Hills. Yeah. You know, I know that's the area that he's focused in on, but Trav works all of LA County, really. Paul's Palm Springs, if need be, if yeah. the vibe's right. But Hit me up. give some people some insight <laughs> as to what you're up to now and uh, where people could find you and all that good stuff. Sure. So right now, I'm just on a total mission to be the number one agent in the Hollywood Hills. That's it. That's it. Period. So that's. End of story. So um, I'm not concerned about Bel Air, Beverly Hills. I'm really not. I'm only concerned with the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Now I'll take on any business, but it's Whitley Heights, Hollywood Heights. I mean like the Outpost Estates, this is where I have focused and realigned and that's where I'm coming for. And I know maybe there's some like big agents that run that area right now. I'm coming. Yeah. I'm knocking on your door. I don't give a shit. And I run into a couple of you on the streets <laughs> and you guys give me dirty looks. I'm coming back to the, next, the next morning. Yeah. But that's what I'm doing. I'm focusing on the outpost estates in those areas. And we've started to make some movement because the vision is clear. The vision is we clear. know exactly what we're doing. And, and it's we're, simple. It's simple. Yeah. It's not a lot of effort. It's just consistency. And, um, and then I am writing a book right now. So I've got 19 chapters to write. And I'm almost done with the first chapter. It's a real estate book about, it's basically, in a nutshell, is all the things that Travis did, you shouldn't do. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. these are like huge things that I've messed up on 
that have cost me business and set me back that I just want to prepare other agents for. Some of you have been through it already, but there's a lot of agents that if I had this book and I read it, I'd have been like, whoa. That's huge. This is huge. Um, I'm, Travis can be everywhere on Facebook, Instagram, you know, everywhere you can possibly look. It's C-A-N as in Nancy, B as in boy, Y. It's awesome. Hashtag... And- Tall Travis. Hashtag, hashtag tall tra- escrow flow. Yeah, dude. If you want to hear some hip hop, do it. Just click into hashtag escrow flow and you'll catch a lot of old Travis and then you're catching new Travis. This new thing I do because I still have a passion for hip hop, right? Just like basketball. And I didn't want to lose it. And I just brought real estate and hip hop together and I do this thing called escrow flow. Yeah. And there's no cursing and it is clean so you can share it. And it's also, my kids. It's for the kids. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But if you go listen to the last one, there's value in there. It like tells you, it's like motivational hip hop. Why do we have to go and listen to it? Why don't you just share it with us right now? You got a <laughs> oh. mic in front of you. Whoa, whoa. I, I mean, could do is it. Is it written? I've out, I, off the top of the brain Ac- written. Acapella. Um, <laughs> Um, We're uh, sitting here, by the way, <laughs> in a $12 million masterpiece in Beverly Hills. I'm here with my dude, Amit Lalji. Some of the crew is here. KP, Malik, of course. So if, if you'd like to sure, hear it. Sure, I'll just go with a written off the top of the brain because I can't. Everybody, everybody okay with hearing it? Okay, cool. We're all ready just, for you. <clears throat> I think you've actually, people have heard this one before. Oh, great. Um, We're ready for <clears throat> it. The positive one. This is a positive no, one. No, this is actually cursed ones, and this isn't dirty. Do you guys still want to hear this one? I want to hear the positive one. I don't even think I have a positive one off the top of the brain. Then you just said you had one that doesn't have any curse words. <laughs> um, guys, I don't. I guess I, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to give you a nasty one. Sure. I'll, I'll try to bleep it out. You try to bleep them out. We've got some kids listening to this, Trav. We do? Give us just, we'll just give us a taste of something. Um, in and out of first class keeps the nine to five. And under all the businessman, there's a rapper that fuels the fire. 350 a shoe, Hugo with fitted suits. In every city I touch, I'm sitting in rented coops. And females are no problem. See, I seem to be the answer in pockets. Ooh, I started getting a little nasty. Hold on, let me, uh, <laughs> how about this one? Um, I'll blurt out curse words. Um, give them relentless flow, apocalyptic blow. Have your chick put her hands up like cops at my show. Massacre the masses, mascara up asses. Wait, <laughs> smash teachers for the brain, quickest way to pass classes. Get them canned, lyrically murder the whole fam. Rip Black Panther, leather clucks clan. Never flipped a gram, but my boys don't stop. I'm on top of the rock like weights in heavy squats. Diminished competition has always been in my mission. Cosby rappers pooping to sleep, I'm still coherent on you bitches. Got the kid yawning, cause the party don't stop till six in the morning. With hella bops and hella thoughts, chop them up. Oh, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Let's go. Make some noise. Hey. Try, to, try to keep it clean for you. Can your agent do that? Can no, he's that? still trying to learn how to Dougie. Dude, Come you, on. Um, yeah, but check it out. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> sorry I wasn't able to go super clean on you there. Um, Stay in touch with this guy, guys. He's going places. Constant inspiration. Constant hustle. Constant authenticity. A, a message that we're inspired by to consistently bring a case, and uh, it's an honor to have you on the team. It's an honor to be your coach, to continually see your growth. Final question, you're in Hollywood Hills, city of billboards. If there were one billboard that was gonna leave the, the ultimate message that you've got for the world, the tall Travis, the, the Travis can be message, what would that billboard say? It would say, don't change or alter who you are. Your audience will find you. I think that's it, guys. Make some noise for Travis Canby. <laughs> Project Mindset, episode number 10. We're out of here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Gotta give a major shout out to my dude, Travis Canby, for coming on the show and absolutely killing it. As always, please make sure to share this. You guys know, you heard my dude Drama giving me a hard time. I'm going in. We are committed to releasing Motivation Monday, Think Big Thursday. You guys, feel free to call me out if you don't see me dropping those. But we need your help too. So please make sure, leave us a positive review that helps boost this thing. And as always, I got three questions for you to wrap this up. Number one, just like Travis Worked his ass off in basketball. He had over a decade plus in this thing. But he reached a point where he realized, it's about as far as I could take it. It's about as far as I could go. 
So the question that I have for you, and it might not be career related, where do you need to let go? Where have you absolutely exhausted all your efforts in? And it might be time for a change. Consider that and think about if there's anywhere in your life where maybe you need to push harder. Maybe you haven't reached that point yet. But maybe you have. Maybe you've reached the point where you where you've reached the top of this thing that you could possibly get to. It's time to do something different. Where do you need to let go? Question number two. Because Travis got his paper and he realized that's not what it was about. So my question for you is, if it's not about the money, what's it about? What's your purpose? What's your why? And the last question, this has to do with the big shift that I've seen Travis make over this last 90 days. And it's the art of mastery. My question is, what is that one thing that you are mastering? What are you becoming the absolute expert at? And in every any given field, whether sports, real estate, hip hop, medical, art, there's so many different areas that we can take on. The big difference came when I saw Travis say, you know what, I'm working on the Hollywood Hills. And then I saw him take his focus even smaller. And he said, you know what, I'm gonna work on Outpost Estates. And then I saw him take that even smaller and said, you know, I'm just going to work this 400 person, 400 home track of outpost estates. And when that happened, he took his big dream, small laser focus, big dream, small laser focus. That's when I started to see the breakthrough happen for him. So the question is, what is that one thing you're mastering? Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will keep this coming. Stay focused, stay inspired, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace.